0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. A blessed Mother's Day to all of you who have given birth to such wonderful children that have brought you the joy, having suffered the anguish of bearing them. Today we'll get into that maybe a little later but first I want to reread for you the collect of the day, which is a great collective prayer for the church. You show those in air the light of your truth that they may return to the way of righteousness, grant faithfulness to all who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's church, that they may avoid whatever is contrary to their confession and follow such things as are pleasing to you. This collect will serve as the start for this sermon today, because it recognizes two very important things which are most helpful for us to consider. The first is this. It is that God's word comes to bear on all things in this world, to illuminate the darkness of sin and the light in the peace, which is the path of righteousness, which is the forgiveness of sins in Christ. By this word of God, God shows us what is truly good and what is truly evil, so that there be no doubt in our mind. And by showing all of us who constantly err the light of his truth, we are also shown a way in which we may return to Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness, the perfect one of God. The way of righteousness consists of a constant, daily repenting of our sins and receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. And then whatever things we were doing, we turn from them, and we do what is good and right and true. Second, this collect also recognizes this, that it is by the strength of God that you may stand faithful in the days of testing. You and I get fatigued and irritated very easily, over even the littlest of things. So whoever believes that they can actually stand when the hordes of hell are pursuing are grossly ignorant or naive. No one is capable of his own will and strength to stand firm against the assaults of the devil and those who stand with the devil. The fight that we have isn't against flesh and blood. You can't kill this evil with man-made weapons. God tells you to bear the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And it is the Holy Spirit who works in us by his word to will and to do what is right according to God, to bear witness to this truth, and to confess such truths even before kings, as many in all history of the church have been called to do. It is as the great prophet Isaiah writes, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I said that this collect was a perfect prayer for the church because it was in the wake of news that we received earlier this past week that there were a stir of emotions. I'm, of course, speaking of the leaked opinion from the Supreme Court of the United States. From the highest court in the land, In their leaked opinion about a case that they are studying, the case of Roe v. Wade, certain things were said, some of which were told accurately and some of which were skewed in order to fuel anger and hatred. In this opinion, the highest court in our land did not affirm life in the womb and end all discussion thus banning abortion. It did not call abortion the murder of a child. It did not say that abortion will be illegal in all the United States. It did not restrict women's health care. It does not grant justice to the almost 64 million babies that have been killed in the womb since Roe v. Wade in 1973. If the Supreme Court does decide to overturn this case, the power to determine these laws surrounding abortion will only return to the states, and the states' elected officials to determine what they should do. Now, recognizing these things doesn't seem to leave much room for rejoicing for Christians. We would maybe have hoped for a greater victory. Though it is not the victory that we hoped for, it is still certainly a small victory that we can rejoice in. In this draft, there is a quotation from the late Justice Scalia, who said, The permissibility of abortion and the limitations upon it are to be resolved like most important questions in our democracy by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. Now, of course, this does not mean that abortion isn't evil. It doesn't mean that we citizens shouldn't make and encourage laws against it. But it means that the constitution of our nation does not grant such a blanket right, which neither you nor I have been able to challenge. Roe v. Wade had determined that, quote, enshrined in the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, is a sphere to enjoy of our lives that isn't subject to the meddling from the state, a sphere that includes personal decisions involving who we sleep with, who we marry, whether or not to use contraception, and whether or not to bear children, writes the late President Obama. He further goes on to rightly explain that the 14th Amendment does not protect one against the consequences of child abuse, nor does it protect one from self-harm. So don't you see what is happening? The entirety of whether or not one can be prosecuted depends on whether or not there exists a child who is living in the womb of the mother. If it is a child, the 14th Amendment offers no protection. But if it isn't a child, and only a potential child, you can choose whether or not to bring the pregnancy to term, to bear children or to not bear children. Now the devil wants to destroy every image of God, no matter how old for he knows that we are all created in God's image. I have preached before that many of the scientific community have attempted to reinvent language in order to remove the word child from the conversation. And so when they discuss pregnancies, they speak only of a fetus or a clump of tissue or cells. And when aborted, it's only a clump or of medical waste that can be thrown away in the biohazard bin. All this is so that the abortion industry, the industry of murder, can continue without any legal repercussions. But all these have some monetary profit to be gained. What about the others? Because it's not just companies who stand for abortion. There are also individuals that have taken to the Internet that have even this day around the country, taken to the streets to protest? Why are there women gathering in support of abortion? Maybe they are remembering the sexual promiscuity of their youth or love even those things now. And they believe that pregnancy would have and will, in fact, trap them. Maybe they have guilt over their present sins. Maybe they have had an abortion already and feel guilty about it. And so to think that it would be illegal would be a lot for them to bear. But to all the women who are feeling guilty and are willing to listen, there is in fact good news. And it doesn't mean that abortion needs to be legal, because there is a blessed hope in the blood of Jesus which covers all their sins. These, in fact, are the sins for which Jesus went to the cross to die for, for murderers, for those those who have taken life even in the womb. There is a blessed hope in the blood of Jesus to cover those sins. Even in the great darkness of the death of her child, or the thought of even killing one, she can confess her sins and find her hope again in the resurrection of Jesus. That is the joy that we bring. That one may find joy again in the wounds of Christ and in the resurrection from the dead, where the Lord will bring an end to all sorrow and suffering and grief. Yet sadly, we must also recognize that there still exist those who are horrendously selfish and care nothing for any life other than their own who refuse the call of God to be nurturers. And unless they fall on the rock of Christ and are broken and bereaved over their sin, there will be no hope for them, for they are like their father, the devil, who is the murderer from the beginning. But I say that it's not only women who have come out in this past week in such grand support of abortion. Why do men support abortion? Maybe because they also have chosen to have sex before they were married. And now they feel guilty over it. For God says not to defile the marriage bed and to love your wife as your own flesh. This very much means that you would do nothing to hurt or harm them, your future spouse. And that may be the one that you have slept with, or it may be the one that will come after her. Only God knows. Great guilt can pour over a man who has let the passions of the flesh bring mental and spiritual harm, maybe even physical harm, upon a woman. And there is even a greater guilt of recognizing that it is actually the ending of life that happens in abortion, a life that he was called as a father to protect and care for, laying down even his very own life. But there is hope in the blood of Jesus. For even as God grieves over these sins, he sent the remedy for sin. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he, Jesus, died for these sins. That this man may find hope again in the wounds of Christ and in the resurrection from the dead, where the Lord will bring an end to all sorrow, grief, and mourning. But not all mourn or will mourn their sins. There yet exist, even in our world, as we have seen, some who remain selfish, who care only for themselves and will not be the defenders of life that God has called these men to be. And unless the Spirit of the living God shatters them on the rock of Christ, there will be no hope for them. Without Jesus, they do not have a defender against sin, death, and hell. And the Lord will return to them their evil works on the last day. Today is supposed to be a celebration of mothers, to take joy in the fact that we have children that are among us. These children who have been carried to term, whose mother endured the pain of labor and the birth for the joy of seeing our faces. To see each and every one of us present. Who have nurtured us. Who have loved us unconditionally. Who have been like the church is to the people in this congregation. A nurturer, a lover unconditionally. A celebrator of life. Some will stand against this blessed calling of God. As I said earlier, I have seen online such a visceral reaction against Christians for having a small hope that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. There have been reports across the nation that there will be groups today protesting inside churches. There have been threats of violence and curses hurled left and right to all those who will uphold the sanctity of life. Why do they seek out the church? Why has the words of hatred come for Christians? It's because we speak the truth of God's word. And we do not hide it. We bring to light where there is darkness. That all life is valuable and precious. That the same God who has created the body in his image has redeemed the body by the blood of his son. Who he himself, Jesus, humbled himself to be conceived and born in the womb born from, from the womb of the Virgin Mary, who died upon the cross and who rose for our justification in his body and who ascended to the right hand of God in his body. And this God sent forth his Holy Spirit to dwell in us richly, to sanctify and make us his holy people. You heard the words from St. Peter, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, honorable, So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So what are we to do? Today, you may leave this place. You may encounter those who will call you evildoers. For even rejoicing a little at the potential of this overturning. Today, you may be called evildoers for praying with the church that God give us more children to love in this world. But on the day of judgment, those who once called you evildoers will glorify God that you rejoiced in what was true and right. If the fight to end abortion is returning back to the States, we should praise God because we are given now a fresh chance, a fresh opportunity to speak the truth of God in love to work to persuade those around us to put an end to this and to give hope that the Lord accomplish such a prayer. There will be greater opportunities for all of you Christians to love more and more God-willing little babies. In the book of James, chapter 1, we read this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so we should, as the church, we should be as mothers and fathers to the orphans who do not have them. If the mothers must carry to term, but choose to give up their children, the fathers choose to abandon their children and the responsibilities to care, then the church shall stand and love more and more. That's what the church has done for ages, starting hospitals and orphanages and nursing homes. As Christ has taken us into his family and given us new life, we seek out opportunity to do the same with those around us, considering all the more how we might love the orphans in their time of affliction. Strength is required for such a stand, strength that comes from God. And I pray that God grant you such faithfulness, and he shall. He is the God who fulfills his promises, so that you may be able to withstand the attacks and glorify God with your suffering, enduring this day. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. The task that lay ahead of the church, that is even present today, is not an easy one. In the wake of the crucifixion, the disciples were sad, and the world rejoiced in their own evil deeds. But in the end, because Jesus rose from the dead and won forgiveness for the disciples in all the world, there was a joy that could not be taken from them a joy which gladly motivated them and filled them with the right words to speak, to lead the church forward, to care and to love. And they gladly suffered for following the teachings of Christ. And they too were called evildoers and workers of Satan. So shall we stand next to the apostles and those whom they have joined in the churches. Let the joy of the resurrection be the very gift that fills us, let the resurrection of Jesus fill your hearts to the brim. For you and I mustn't believe that we are going to make it through this world without drinking the bitter water of suffering and pain. But the one day the Lord will make these waters taste sweet. But we must wait patiently on the Lord, giving thanks and rejoicing in the small victories that we see before our eyes and praying for the hope that more shall come. Thanks be to God that the Christian can look and see hope even in the most trying of times. And right now, while the country may look more divided than ever, just like there is great pain before a woman who has joy of a newborn, so too will there be a great pain in our nation before there can ever be the joy of truth received in the hearts. So when you look around you, and you think that you have every reason in the world on earth to be sad, Jesus tells you that you have far more reasons to be filled with joy. From even the greatest event of sorrow, the crucifixion of our blessed Lord, we draw forth our great strength and our hope and our joy. Your joy is not circumstantial. We can expect the coming sorrows and suffering. We can expect to be misunderstood, misrepresented, and hated for following Christ's word. But our joy will not disappear in sorrow, and it cannot dissuade us from doing what is good and right and true, what is loving those who are put in our midst. Nothing can disrupt our joy, because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.